First of all, I want to thank each and every one of you for uh, all the love, the love. Let's do this. Welcome to a Friday edition of Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every Heat game, news item, rumor, and more. Thanks for listening and for subscribing. My name is Wes Goldberg, and I'm here with David Ramil, and we're joined today by Rohan Ed Carney of Sports Illustrated, who is going to help us wrap up Chris Bosch week with a mailbag. We asked for Bosch-related questions, and you guys sent in a few, and then we have some non-Bosch stuff to get to later on. So thanks to everyone who sent in something. Uh, we're going to try to get to as many as possible. So let's get started with this one from Billy, who writes in, Can each of you share your favorite Chris Bosh memory outside of the Game 6 rebound? Rohan, I, I imagine you have a very unique uh, uh, memory for this one. Well, yeah. Obviously, you know, I was lucky enough to sit down with Chris Bosh uh, about a week ago now. He hang out, hung out with us at SI. He did crossover TV. Uh, he was really cool. I asked him to adopt me, and he didn't say no, but he didn't say yes. <laughs> so you're telling um, me there's a chance. I mean, I, that, that's all I can imply from his, his non-answer. Um, I would say the fun part was um, I was asking him about just all kinds of stuff, but one thing that I was really excited to ask him about was, you know, there was a moment where Kevin Durant called him a fake tough guy. Ooh. And I was like, what's that about? Like, what was going on there? And, you know, he told me the whole story. It was, it was really funny. It started with, like, a James Harden drive to the hoop. Uh, and apparently, like, Bosch and Durant started exchanging some words after that. And it, it was just really interesting to hear him tell that story. It, it's kind of crazy, all the things that, you know, he can still recall from his career and whatnot. So that was just fun for me. Just someone who really nerds out over these moments can remember so many uh, different things from his career. Uh, to know that, you know, he's still kind of got the stories behind all those things. It was really interesting. So just being able to talk to him, hang out with him, that was a lot of fun. That's incredible how Durant might just be a little sensitive. That's amazing. Who knew? (laughs) Of all people to be calling someone a fake tough guy, Kevin Durant, that was a little absurd. Come on, man. (laughs) Well, that was so much of the narrative, right, about Bosch, you know, that he was getting so much slack from national media pundits, you know, Shaquille O'Neal in particular. So there was just so much there about attacking. It feels like Skip Bayless too, man. Do you remember Bosch going on a first take and just like confronting Skip and just being like stopping a jackass? That was absurd. Yeah. I I don't remember that. I'll have to go watch that. Oh, yeah. He had to go. He basically had to go like, hey, man, like enough with this wild stuff where you're like 
literally calling me names like you're, you know, a 10-year-old or something. It was absurd. There was the Bosch Spice thing. Like, Skip would only yeah. refer to him as Bosch Spice, uh, Bosch, uh, Bosch Spice, and then, like, LeBron was only the choker. Skip loved Dwayne Wade always, so I don't know what that says, but... Go figure. Uh, uh, Dave, what was your favorite memory? You know, Skip is our kind of... leader, but, you know, we need to talk to him a bit. Yeah. When was the last time... Okay, wait. So, quick sidetrack. When was the last time you've legitimately watched skip do anything like are you what whatever his new fox sports show is does anybody watch that anymore i've never watched it i've seen clips obviously but i've never watched it same yeah yeah i I can't recall i mean i I don't even remember watching first take all that much either but uh it's been a while and and thankfully so i feel a lot better a lot healthier as a result of having let go of skip (laughs) it's a skip cleanse yeah So as far as my favorite memories concerned, I kind of went a little bit outside the box because, you know, there's so many things that he did on the floor. And I think one of the consistent themes that we've talked about this week was just the level of humanity that Bosch brought to the game. But what, the thing that that resonated most with me and, and it's personal, so I can't say that anybody else feels the same way, but just the fact that he re-signed with the team in 2014. And I know it was the, the more jaded view of that is that he, you know, the Heat threw a lot of money at him, so how could he resist that opportunity? But to come on the heels of the LeBron decision, which really knocked the wind out of out of my sails, like I think, I think the LeBron choice to go to Cleveland was probably the last time, encoupled with Bosch's decision to resign. I think those were the last two times that I've actually ever felt emotion about basketball. Like since then, I've tried to be more of a medium member and less biased. And not necessarily as emotional. I know I've fluctuated here and there, but the 2014 decision by LeBron pretty much broke my spirit. And then for Chris to kind of re-sign, kind of felt like validation over the previous four mm-hmm. years because, you know, there was so much friendship there. And and at least from what we had seen, so much bonding together when the rest of the country hated um, Miami and the Big Three and everything else. And so I really had believed in it, perhaps naively, but I had believed in in the strength of that unity. And then for LeBron to, you know, say, you know what, it was a, a decision for him to go to Cleveland. That changed everything. But then kind of, I was felt reaffirmed again by Chris re-signing with, to, you know, with Miami in 2014. I've never felt so low and then felt so high afterwards. Like, it, it just felt like, I don't know, a vindication of some sort. And it just, it, it kind of helped carry me from the loss of LeBron. I know that sounds a little melodramatic, but in retrospect, you know, it was just an important moment. And I really do appreciate the fact that he signed with Miami, that he wanted to build something here with the team. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. But I'll never forget that moment and feeling that high of him coming back to Miami. Yeah, I mean, it would have been devastating had he left. And there was a there yeah. was a minute there oh, yeah. where it looked like he was going to sign with Houston. Remember oh, that? For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know what the – like, if, if Bosch leaves, I don't know what happens. But um, – my favorite memory, and I know that Billy said outside of the Game 6 rebound, well, I'm going to just take the Game 6 final, or not the Game 6, the NBA Finals in 2013, that entire series. When I think about Chris Bosh, I know, like, the rebound and, and you know, the outside shooting and, and everything that hold he provided. Hold on, hold on. Is, is Wes just doing that thing where he doesn't tell us the rules and then just does whatever he wants? It's outside <laughs> of the, the Game second. 6 rebound. But, That's, that was the only uh, rule. Th- come on, come on. This it's is the only a rule. The whole 2013 so, finals defensively. That's a different thing than the rebound. Okay, okay. It's a stretch, but continue. So you, you, uh, a series worth of games is your memory, your that single is. memory. Okay. Your <laughs> entire summer counted for you, and Rohan just put. No, in, he didn't. He said it was he, an, he, an interview with him. So uh, he he went with a a concrete 
moment. At least I'm the only one that said something actually that happened on the court. So okay, yeah, okay. How about him being oh. him being Portland with that game winner? I mean, that's not, that, that was, was a big just, one. I almost that said that. Uh, one. My I favorite Bosch game winner is the Spurs one, though. That was yeah, a great one too. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm gonna just basically go. we we all we all gave multiple answers better than whatever Wes is about to say. <laughs> go ahead, Wes. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, on our show, our guest <laughs> gets this Bro, on the, show. the 2013 NBA Finals. It just it really opened up to me, like opened up my eyes at like what defense could be, like what re- like that is the best defensive effort I've ever seen from any basketball team ever. What the what the Miami Heat were able to do against that Spurs offense, like yeah, I know like they didn't always shut down the Spurs, and it was a really close series and everything. But they played them hard. They contested every shot, and they had to. Like that was really like the 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 spoism on a string. It was like, at the max in that in that series. I remember you know Zach Lowe wrote something back in the Grantland days about Chris Bosh being the anchor of that defense, and it really just sort of again opened my eyes to how important Chris Bosh was. And Spo always used to call Bosh the most important player of or the post, the most important member of the big three. And I don't think that was ever more evident than it was in the 2013 finals. You know, in retrospect now, and and guys, we're discussing Chris Bosh. How much of that do you feel is hyperbolic of, of, of Spolstra? I mean, like I always felt it was true, but at the same time, I always also felt like it was necessary for him to say to kind of placate and, and Chris Bosh and kind of keep him involved. Yeah, I think it was. I think Spo's point was not so much that Bosh is the literal most important player, but Bosh was kind of like the barometer, the swing guy, mm-hmm. where. You know, his role was such that if he wasn't playing his role to the best of his abilities, then that kind of affected how everything else was going to happen. Now, I don't think Spo thinks that he's better than LeBron James, but I, I kind of understand the point he was trying to make. Sure, no, I get it. You know, one of the things that we've talked about, Wes and I, over this week, and, and Ron, now that you're here, I can ask you that. You know, we, we broke down, like, Chris Bosch's decision, and we talked to Tom Haverstrow about it, et cetera. But looking back now and kind of reviewing how it all played out. Yeah, wow. man. Are you not subscribed? I, wow. You know, you know, Wes, this is a true story. <laughs> I only subscribe to one podcast, You and I'll give you $100 right now if you can guess what podcast it is. Oh wow! Well, it's definitely not the open. It's it's not the open floor because Ben left. So, who? I don't know who that is. What is it? No, I need. I'm going to try to guess this. I'm going to try to guess this. I I feel like it's. You can get. You can guess it. But let's. How about we get back to it at the end of the podcast? All right, I'll give you an answer later on. I don't know where we were going though. I forgot what what we were talking about. No, we were talking about Haverstrow and and you know what we had talked about as far as Chris Bosh's decision. You know, obviously Dwayne Wade was so close to signing in Chicago, um, and he and in kind of reviewing his announcement, he talked about you know how obviously Chicago was always his heart, etc. And we kind of formulate or we theorize that if Chris Chris was the linchpin in the big three forming, if he hadn't come to Miami, we feel like there was a pretty good chance that LeBron would have signed in Cleveland, re-signed in Cleveland, or gone elsewhere, that Dwayne would have gone to Chicago to play alongside Derrick Rose. I, hmm, how do I want to answer this? Ooh. I think that the big three was a pretty joint decision. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Like, I mean, they, uh, they've talked about it. I mean, they, they you know, one of the things Haverstrow said was, and he had a chance to interview Bosch as well at his home, so that was pretty cool. And, and they talked about that decision-making process. And, you know, Chris said to Tom that 
you know, he he had to wait until the decision aired before he knew where LeBron signed. But then Haverstar also said that he kind of gave him a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, saying, oh, well, they kind of had conversations beforehand. So, I mean, there may have been a shred of truth to it, though, in that LeBron could have ultimately changed his mind, but if not for the decision of Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade to form together in Miami, that maybe LeBron doesn't come. I mean, we're kind of, I mean, we don't want to harp on this too much, and maybe I've gone on too long well, already. Well, let's just, let's just say pick up a Sports Illustrated next week, and maybe the answer will be in there. Oh, wow. wow. What a tease. That was a great tease. Um, revisionist history? In terms of... Is that the podcast? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying... Oh, no, Okay, no, no. Oh, I'm going to keep guessing. I'm going to keep guessing. I'm going to guess throughout the show. I didn't even know what you were referring to when you just randomly said the words revisionist history in the middle of our basketball discussion. Okay, I don't know. I didn't know if you were a Gladwell guy. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I I've, I've broken West tonight is what's happened. You totally threw him off. You totally threw him off. Yeah, he thought he was oh. coming up with something hard. He didn't. Wait. Okay. Speaking of revisionist history, how would the Heat look if Chris Bosh never had to retire. That's coming up after the break. Mark writes in, how would the Heat look with Chris Bosh today? Would they be a higher seed in the East if Bosh still played? Um, I really took a deep dive into this, guys, so I kind of want to yes. just like lay this yes. out. All right. Good. Okay. So did I. So, the Heat were able to waive Chris Bosh in 2017 and clear that salary, right? That summer, the Heat got that $25 million salary off of their books, which gave them $35 million in cap space. That was the same summer that Gordon Hayward was available. The Heat chased Hayward. They failed to sign Gordon Hayward, and so instead they re-signed Deion Waiters, James Johnson, and Wayne Ellington, and signed free agent Kelly Olenek. Now, had Bosch not had to retire. They never would have had that $35 million in cap space. They would have had closer to $10 million in cap space. They would have never been able to chase Gordon Hayward in the first place because Chris Bosh just would have been there. And they wouldn't have been able to... They still would have been able... And they did. They they The year previous, they signed the like, waiters and James Johnson to those one-year small contracts. They wouldn't have been able to re-sign them to the extent that they did, maybe you can bring like Wayne Ellington back, and that's about it at like 10 mil a year, which is what they did anyway. So they also drafted Bam Adebayo that year, assuming Chris Bosch didn't have to retire. We're assuming that he was healthy, so now we're assuming that the Heat wouldn't would have probably been in the playoffs better than the 14th pick. So they probably don't get Bam. Let's say they take John Collins instead at number 19. Oh, nice. Oh, that's convenient. Um, well, no, that's realistic. Yeah. The hometown hero. It is, it is, it is. It is. So this, John Collins. Hometown hero. Hometown hero. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, the hometown kid. He's, hometown not, kid. he's got, okay, okay. he'll have his jersey yeah, retired too soon enough. Um, John Collins went number 19 to the Hawks that year. So I think that's right about where the Heat probably would have, I don't know. They probably would have been around there. So let's just assume yes. they take John Collins. Um, so now we're looking at a 2017-18 roster of Goran Dragic, Josh Richardson, Justice Winslow, Chris Bosh, and Hassan Whiteside with Tyler Johnson, Rodney Magruder, and let's just say they, they were able to bring back Wayne Ellington with the minimal amount of cap space that they have. Ellington comes back from bench roll, three-point shooter, whatever. That's what I think happens that year, which is not all that exciting, right? It's kind of still the same team as the year before. Um, I don't know if... Uh, yeah, like Dwayne Wade still isn't there because he leaves the summer before. I mean, I think See, Dwayne, no, Wade, well, yeah, I don't think Dwayne Wade ever leaves. Really? Yeah, here you go. That's what I want to go back for a little bit further okay. then, if I may. Okay, because obviously the, the year they trade for him, 
I'm sorry, they re- the year they trade for Goron in 2014-15 season, they stay healthy. That team with Goron playing at a high level, Dwayne playing at a high level, and Chris Bosch still there with Hassan providing some minutes there, Chris Anderson providing some minutes, the defense of Conference Josh finals versus shooting Cleveland? Of yeah. That's what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Definitely. ECF in, two, in 2015. So then that summer, maybe they're able to lure a big mm. free agent, maybe not. You know, obviously there was the, the courting of LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Durant, and others. With Chris Bosch there, um, I think it's a lot more realistic a possibility. Well, anyway, let's let's dismiss that. Dwayne Wade never leaves. He never leaves. I think with Chris still there on that team, mm. I think they come to some kind of agreement. They're building towards something with Chris still there. The reason I think it was easier for the Heat to pass on or to move on from Dwayne Wade because obviously in the summer 2016 they're done with Chris. Dwayne is no longer the player that. Do they give Tyler Dwayne Johnson Dwayne. the big contract? Do they give Whiteside nope. the big contract? No. No, well, good. Whiteside I'm glad you brought this up. Whiteside happened the year before. happened the year before. No, 2016. He signs that contract. He signed it that year. In 2016 is when he signed the the the, the oh, 90 right. million dollars. That's right. So that summer is a, a huge blow up. They never re, they never resigned Tyler to 50 million because Dwayne never leaves. They never resigned. Well, no, they Hassan. resigned. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah, the 2016 summer was a mess. Yeah, that was it. So if Chris is healthy, then all those never. None of those things happen. So this is all of a sudden a healthy intact team with Dwayne still there. No money t- towards Hassan. No money towards Tyler. Who knows? You know, Tyler goes to Brooklyn. Hassan goes to Dallas or Portland. They never add Deion Waiters, James Johnson, or any of those short-term deals. No way nailing to nothing like that. The 30 and 11 run never happens the following season. They never sign Kelly Olynyk. They don't have to resign Waiters or Johnson because those players aren't even part of the team. And like you said, they don't draft Bam. They might have selected Collins. I also had Jared Allen yeah. or OG Anunoby like falling to them yep. at some point around there. Um, so, but the, on the flip side of that, we never see the growth from Justice or Josh Richardson, and the team probably would have followed a similar model to what they did during the Big Three era, where they just kind of put other vets around a core of Bosch, Dragic, and Dwayne Wade. Who knows? Maybe Hayward. Maybe KDs, maybe somebody else. Who knows who would have popped up on their screen? Maybe okay. somebody else. So I think willing to accept a trade. I think that they still give Whiteside a max contract. I still think that they do it. Whoa. I still think that... Why? They, but they wouldn't have needed him at center. I, I think mean, they, they move Bosch to power forward. I think that's the idea. Like, Bosch is getting older. Let's yeah, play him at power do, forward. I do think that's possible. So... Because they were enamored with Whiteside. Yeah, they loved Whiteside. And, and Pat Riley loved Whiteside, and I just think that they would have kept him. And they would have said, all right, LeBron's gone, but now we have Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch, and a son Whiteside. <laughs> I just... No, I think that... But, like, I think you're right. Tyler Johnson doesn't come back. The James Johnson, right. Deion Waiters, Kelly Linux contracts aren't there. And now let's go, like, all that stuff. Let's fast forward to, like, right now, like, this season. Right. I don't know. Maybe Winslow and Richardson are there. Maybe they're traded. I don't know what the deal is. But Bosch would have been a free agent this summer. And that would have been... And if you if if you kind of take away these James Johnson, Olenek, and Waiters contracts, these the four-year deals that ruin Miami's cap situation, and that basically just becomes Chris Bosch's expiring contract... He's a free agent this summer. The Heat would have $28 million in cap space this summer, right? You let Dragic opt out um, and, and sign him to a long-term deal, you can easily create max cap space now. So the Heat would have a max cap slot with Bosch as a free agent, Dragic re-signed to a longer-term deal. The, the Heat could have gone into the summer with the ability to sign one of Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, or Kemba Walker, something like that. And then you re-sign Chris Bosh after you sign one of those guys because you have his bird rights. That's where we're at right now. Uh, 
but but you're forgetting cap holds. It's a little more complicated than that, I think, because mm. you can't renounce Bosch. Oh, right. His cap would still count. His salary would still count against. Yeah, cap. you're right. I forgot about that. But I like where your head is at, Wes. I like what you're thinking. Me, but Bosch would have been 35. Do you let Bosch walk? No. Maybe. I mean, Here's maybe if it's down. for if, if Durant or Kawhi say I'll sign. You let Bosch walk at 35 years old. You do. Yeah. Here's what it here's what it comes down to, and I think this is what we all agree on. The team would have been in a better position if Bosch didn't get hurt. That's right. That's obvious. To answer the question, it's impossible to know what exactly would have happened because so many dominoes would have fallen differently. But there's no doubt the team would have been in a better position if he never gets hurt or sick, rather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What if? What if? Let's put it very simplistically. Then just let's say instead of wondering about all those different dominoes. You just insert Bosch into this current team and with the lineup that they currently have, which I guess would probably imply Bosch starting at the four alongside Bam at a Yeah, like Winslow, Richardson, Dragic, Bosch, Whiteside. I don't know. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. How, how far does that team go? In, in that team is playoff? lit. That's all that matters, yeah. David. That team is lit. Derek Jones Jr. coming off the bench. John Collins Ooh. coming off the bench. That's a bouncy, oh that's a dunk contest bench. No, the no, no Collins because you have a lot of fires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wes, Wes, you're pretty bad at this what-if stuff, I gotta say. What are you no, talking no, about? I thought his, I nailed that. That's his Ballywick. That's his Ballywick, <laughs> actually. He, he, loves, he loves the theoreticals. That's, that's, his, that's his I see. Thing. I see. Okay, okay. He seemed to have lost the plot a little bit. So. No, that was unfair. I forgot I forgot the one <laughs> I forgot the one thing about the cap hold. I did a lot of work. Guess what? One, that's how it works. One slip-up. That's how it works. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm being so mean to us tonight, and I've completely thrown this podcast off the rails. I apologize to everyone. Corey writes in 2008 draft. What would have been the ceiling of a Wade, Derrick Rose, Sean Marion trio had we gotten the number one pick? This is another fascinating hypothetical. I already laid this one out too, but because you guys are being so mean to me, I'll let you guys go first. <laughs> Well, I, I haven't even seen his question, so I mean, I, I, I have nothing to lay out. So, um, oh, go ahead, Ron. I'm sorry, you're our guest. You should you should get first take. You know, I don't I don't really love that team because you have two mm. guys who are not great shooters in the backcourt. Mm. Yeah. You know, let's say they both even stay healthy and Rose never even gets hurt. I just think you you have a team of a backcourt that can't really shoot that's going into a league that prioritizes shooting. Bosch probably is never on the Heat in that scenario because. They're probably not getting two max guys that summer. I think they're probably, you know, because they're not trading the Rose contract for cap space. So I think it complicates a lot. I think it would have made uh, 2008 to 2010 more interesting for Dwayne Wade. But I don't really have a lot of faith that that team would have been anything special, to be completely honest. It would have been fun. Yeah. It wouldn't have been a bad team. But I don't think it's a championship contender necessarily. Well, there, Re- the- refresh my memory a little bit, guys, because, I mean, was Derrick Rose, did he flash enough in those first two seasons he was in the league? Well, yes. Kind of- that, at 08-09, he was very good. Yeah. I mean, you remember that in that classic Bulls Heat game, Rose was playing really well mm-hmm. that day. Um, you know, and then obviously by 2010, he was a very, very good player by 2011 MVP. So he was definitely very good. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and and for context here, we're replacing basically Derrick Rose with Michael Beasley for, I don't know, I just felt like we needed to point that out because the Heat ended yeah, up no, not getting absolutely. the first pick. They ended up getting Michael Beasley that draft. The Heat traded Michael Beasley in, in, in that whole 2010 situation where they were creating cap space. I do wonder how the 2010 thing would have played out because if the Heat get Derrick Rose, are they still motivated to 
try to put together Chris Bosh and LeBron James, that 2010. From everything we hear, that, that that had been a plan for a while, I don't know. I'm still just going to, for the hell of it, I'm going to say yes, because if I just say no, then the conversation just sort of ends there. So let's say that the, the plan is to still put LeBron, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade together, some sort of, form some sort of big three. Um, I think they could have probably still done it, even with Derrick Rose, because he still would have been on his rookie contract. Instead of bringing so back you, Mario Chalmers, you probably trade him, or you get, and you probably have to get rid of Haslam. Well, you wouldn't yeah. have drafted, yeah. Well, maybe yeah, I don't know. Let's say, Chalmers. let's say Dwayne Wade takes a little bit less salary to bring back Haslam because you probably don't. Maybe, no, no, I don't think maybe you, you don't sign Mike Miller instead, right? No, because he already he already had to take a pay cut to bring back Haslam. Yeah, maybe you don't get Mike Miller, but and you're able to save some money that way. Yeah. Maybe that, he was their best shooter. Maybe that's the deal. I don't know. Maybe Haslam even takes less. I don't know. Because Haslam didn't I mean, resign I, I for the minimum, Haslam I don't think, think, right? I think we're also kind of supposing that, that Derrick Rose would have flourished in Miami the same way uh, that he did in Chicago. I think he would have. He so. was that guy was awesome. He was well. I don't know about that. Like he probably wouldn't have been an MVP, but he would have been no, really no, good. Definitely not. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, we, we're assuming this. I yeah, mean, well, we are. Let's be honest. Michael Beasley was really good at Kansas State too, and you know, you get to Miami, and he he was pretty good. He was able to do something. Okay, so uh, in Miami. how about so? Okay, if if Derrick Rose sucks in the first two years, that team. If Derrick Rose sucks in the first two years, you trade him just like you traded Beasley, and everything is the same. Sure. But let's say he doesn't suck. Maybe let's say that he is just Derrick Rose. Then all of a sudden, yeah. Uh, the, I mean, it checks out. It would have been interesting, but. I guess I'm not as I'm not as enamored or excited about that team uh, as it sounds on paper. Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, LeBron James. That's all I'm I saying. Mean, just, Are you able then? Does Dwayne Wade have to like he's he's taking all the rest and stuff? But he probably there's not as much wear and tear because you have Derrick Rose. Or if he does, okay. if, if he is resting games in 2014, you've got Derrick Rose there, so it doesn't impact the team as much. But isn't that with that lineup, that big three, isn't Chalmers still a better fit? I mean, hell, they were going after Mike Bibby and and uh, you know Carlos Arroyo and anybody else that could fit the, fill the gap a little bit. I mean, I mean, Derek is Derrick Rose a good option to play alongside? I mean, again, I know that there's the 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 the, the rationale that there's only one basketball kind of deflates in this sense because all these guys are willing to share it. But I mean, is Derrick Rose "Quote unquote," Derrick Rose, if he has to play alongside those three huge personalities that all need the ball, maybe he uh, learns I mean, to shoot threes. I mean, he, he learned to shoot threes in in Minnesota this year. I mean, maybe he does that earlier. Now, I, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'm glad we got two years of Michael Beasley and not any time with Derrick Rose. To be honest with you. So. All right. So you guys, right. we hate That's this my... then. We hate this idea. All right, let's move on then. Um, Sam writes in. Hey guys, I'm not sure if you've been watching March Madness and was wondering if you've discovered any interesting prospects watching the first couple rounds of games. Ron, anybody that's jumping out to you that you, you see maybe being a fit for the Heat wherever they end up picking? This is terrible, but I've watched a grand total of four minutes of NCAA tournament action. Really? Mm. What game? Yeah, you know, I it was the Duke-UCF one. Yeah, it was. I just, I can't really get into NCAA anymore, especially, <laughs> nice. it just happens... It happens at a bad time during the NBA season. It's the playoff push. Yeah. It's just, it's really not something I, I really make time for. I, I I don't get much into the draft guys until June. Um, so, I yeah, not for me. Not a good question for me. I know I realize I probably should have said something to you when you sent me the questions. 
beforehand, but oh. I like to be a little bit of I like to be a little bit of an agent of chaos. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not going to attack you like you have so often attacked me. I'm just gonna let that one go. <laughs> That's because you are a better man than I am. <laughs> David, what about you? Anybody? I, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I thought you knew this, but uh, uh, Rowan's seen four more minutes of the NCAA <laughs> tournament than I have. So I am at zero seconds of watched college basketball this year. I have not watched any of it. I mean, I know these names. I mean, I've seen some highlights of Zion Williams. Yeah, you guys are That's both like it. Zion. That Zion kid seems pretty good. If he if he falls to the heat, they should take him. <laughs> That's what I've heard. I've heard he's got he's got some ability. Something about a bad shoe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, these names all sound interesting. I, I don't. I have not seen enough. Um, I, okay, now there's. I refresh my memory. You talked about him recently. I think uh, Dawkins kid who plays for UCF. Yeah. he's a good option, isn't he? Uh, he's not going to be a first round pick though. He's not. No. Why? Why not? I don't know. I just I don't know any of this stuff either. He's just not in any of the mock drafts that I've read. So no. So we're we're bad with the draft. Yeah. We did talk about having to get somebody a draft specialist on the show. It just hasn't happened. This yet. is what we we talk about this every time we get a draft question in the mailbag. We're like, you know what? Turns out we don't know anything about this. Let's get a draft specialist, and we haven't. Sam Vicini, if you're listening, get back to me on Twitter, man. Um, so <laughs> hasn't hasn't answered me. Um, I've got though. So I I have the Kelly Oubre man crush of the year every year. Kelly Oubre was okay. the, the draft crush I had the year that the Heat drafted Justice Winslow. I was really hoping for Kelly Oubre. Um, not knowing that Winslow would drop to 10 because he was supposed to go at like 4 to the Knicks that year or something. But I, remember, I was hoping we'd get Stanley Johnson. You loved Stanley Johnson that year. That's right. So <laughs> I'm really, really close to announcing my Kelly Oubre man crush of the year. I just don't okay. think I'm ready yet. I've got one guy that I'm I'm almost ready to to declare, but I'm not quite there yet. Let's do it. Let's hear. It. Come on, man. You can't just tease. You gotta like save. That. You gotta save this segment, Wes. If you don't say it, we're gonna have nothing. <sighs> all right. I'm almost there. I'm not. It's. I'm almost there. I'm not quite there. I gotta see a couple more games. I want to see how far North Carolina goes. But this Kobe White kid, pull up three point range, big afro. You know, I'm like, I'm all into the aesthetics. That stuff matters. Um. I think he, he's underrated as a passer. He seems to try hard defensively. Again, I'm not a scout. I'm not an expert. I just, like, I've watched a few games, and even that is probably an overstatement. But I like him. I was I, I His percentages are good. He looks good. I think he'd be a perfect fit next to Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson in that backcourt if you put him in that Deion Waiters role. You need a guy who could space the floor. He's a pull-up three-pointer. He's a catch-and-shoot guy. I think he would be tremendous for Miami. He's kind of like this combo guard guy, which I think is the perfect fit for for this Heat team because Justice Winslow needs the ball in his hands, and Josh Richardson is better as a, a secondary option. And I think he'd be a, a great fit there. So that's my guy, Kobe White, I think. I think that's my guy. There we go. There we go. Good for you. Good for you stepping up. When David and I came woefully unprepared for this segment. So, you know, for, you really came through and I want you to know that. I mean it genuinely. <laughs> what a 180. This podcast has been so bizarre. Ron playing with my emotions. Um, maybe you guys will like this question more then. Ming writes in, considering this year's draft is super weak aside from the top three or four, should the Heat consider just trading their pick? Well... I mean, I think any uh, listener would probably be familiar with my feelings yep. on the draft. I guess um, I am not sold on this draft. I'm not sold on most drafts in general. And I don't know that this pick is going to necessarily going to be the infusion of talent everybody hopes it is. 
it all depends on what you could possibly use the draft pick in order to acquire, I guess. Understand. Is, uh, can I know. can I just derail this one more time before? Absolutely. Okay. I'm really in- interested to hear your answer on this. So understand. I know you haven't watched a minute of Zion Williamson, but you understand that he's like, like, sure. like he is like the prospect of the century, basically, right now. Okay. What? Who is the worst player? If the Heat had ended up with the number one pick, let's just say from some miracle, they end up with the number one pick. And they're in position to take Zion Williamson. Who would you trade that pick? And if so, who is the worst player currently in the NBA that you would trade that pick for? The worst player that you would Ob- trade away the number one pick. You'd obviously probably make the, that for Anthony Davis, right? But like outside of that, I think so. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, uh, ooh. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I don't even think that would be. I don't think that would go too well with Heat Nation. There. Um. Uh, worst, worst player. Kevin Love, maybe a, a guy. Like, I don't know. That's a possibility. You would trade the. You would trade Zion Williamson for Kevin Love. Yes, I would. I like Kevin. Ron, do you have any the, reaction to that? That's a take. I don't know that I would trade it for worse for anyone than Anthony Davis. Like, it's got to be. It's it's that level of a pick. I mean, I think Zion's that much of a campus prospect. Wow. And beyond that, I mean, just you, this is a team that is dying for cheap labor with its current cap situation. I don't. It's just his contract alone, even more so than just the player, is so valuable that I don't think it's you know. Nah, I don't right. think you could trade him. You're right. You're right. I, I, I'm just trying to. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not 100 really sold on the trade for Kevin Love. To <laughs> that's good. Just kind of <laughs> uh, is Damian Lillard considered, with everything that's happening with Anthony Davis, is he considered still like a worse player slash asset than Anthony Davis? I think he is. Yes. Would you trade the yeah. first pick for Damian Lillard, Ron? I don't think I would, okay. especially not with his super max extension. Well, I guess he couldn't get a super max, but I, I just don't think you could. Again, those guys are going to get such big contracts too. It's it's not that simple as just talent wise either. I don't. It's got to be like I said, Anthony Davis or Bust, or because the guys ahead of him aren't even possible to trade for. So uh, what, if you get Zion, yeah. How about this as a theoretical? In order to move Hassan Whiteside and that first round pick, and you get Carl Anthony Towns, is that worth it? Uh, no, I don't really? think so. Towns is Towns has got his own issues right now. I want to see him make a playoffs by himself. I mean, Whiteside's got, you know, one year left after this yeah, one. I, I think you eat that if it means you get someone like Zion. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I agree. Right. Um, but I do think that the Heat should consider trading the pick if the guy that they want isn't there. Like, if you could trade down and get off of a Dion Waiters or a James Johnson salary, in tra- like, if you're, let's say the Heat end up with, like, the 16th pick or something. Um, if you could trade down to 24 and attach Dion Waiters to that, I think you could do that, but I wouldn't just trade out of it for the sake of trading out of it. I wouldn't just trade the pick for the sake of, I don't know, like just getting another player. I would rather just get the rookie and see what happens there because you never know. Um, But yeah, that's my answer to that question, I guess. I would consider it. I like that answer. I like that answer. Okay, well, that's the last mailbag question we had. So thanks, Rohan, for jumping on. Anything to plug this week that's coming out? You got anything going on? You know, nothing to plug. Check out the latest episode of Crossover TV. We got Miami guy Billy Corbin mm. on the episode. Mm. And uh, I think 
just keep an eye out for next week's Sports Illustrated. I think we're going to have some interesting stuff in there. Uh, Wes, this is your last chance to guess on what the podcast I subscribe to. You're not a Joe Rogan guy. I could already tell. So, Of course not. Be serious. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to give it one... Uh, two dope queens. It's my last guess. It's not. I so I listened to Dial M for Maple. It's a podcast about the TV show Riverdale. Uh, that's the only podcast I listen to with, with any sort of regularity. Damn. Is Dial M for Maple? Yeah. Oh wow, that is pretty on brand for Rohan Nudkarni. I can tell you. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Good for you, man. I forgot to ask. I forgot to ask you because uh, usually I, I I'll ask you ahead of time for a recipe or something, um, and I know that I didn't. But did you? I know you just got back from Seattle. Did you any food things that you want to share before we log off? Um, you know, something that's interesting about Vancouver is it seems that town loves its brunch even more so than New York City. I spent some time in Vancouver as well. And it was a Tuesday afternoon, morning. It was brunch time on Tuesday. Everywhere you went in that city, there was a wait for brunch. I was impressed. I was obviously dismayed at the fact that we had to wait. But I'm impressed with how much people in Vancouver seem to love brunch. If you ever find yourself there, I recommend Jam. I think it's an obvious spot. You'll hear about it from many people, but it lives up to the hype. Jam? Yep. Okay. Are you sure you weren't in San Francisco? Because I feel like out here everybody eats brunch for like every meal. That's funny. Unfortunately, I was not. But if I ever am, Wes, I'll let you know. We'll go get brunch. That'd be great. There it is. Sounds like a plan. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya Podcast app, Rohan, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you're in the car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Heat. You can connect with us on Twitter at Locked on Heat or email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Thanks for spending some time with us today. We'll catch you next time. I would have never guessed what you were trying to say when you said revisionist history. I've never even heard of that before. So it's a great I mean, podcast. I'm never... Malcolm Gladwell. Is it a basketball-related podcast no. or is it something outside of basketball? It's like a history-related podcast. No, no. I'm talking to Rohan, man. I'm trying yeah, to he hasn't heard of it. Podcast. How would he answer that question? No, I'm trying to ask him if, oh. if the podcast he subscribes to yes. is basketball-related. It is basketball-related. Okay, Wes, what is wrong with you tonight, dude? <laughs> Um, David, I understood your very obvious question, and it is not basketball related.